Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. Fat in the salaries, but not from the calories. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm relaxed because I'm getting to the end of my Rogue Farms Pumpkin Patch Ale, which is Ah, damn good. And I'm drinking water. We're going to get things started quickly here because it is our 200th episode. Woo! That's it? I wasn't going to do it. Woo! (laughs) We got to 200. And... Uh, thank you. And we haven't killed each other yet. Yeah, well, we're close. <laughs> if it wasn't for this Skype connection and I can physically wrap my hands around your neck, I'd probably squeeze the life out of you. Here thank, and there. Thank you. That You're welcome. Warm <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He has issues. Anyway. Uh, so we are. Well, all right. So for our 200. For our 200th episode. Or rather, for every 100 episodes that we do. Or so far. Okay. So what we're going to do, yeah, for this one, <laughs> is we are going to take a look back at six of the last 100 episodes that both Andrew and I thought were excellent and that you guys thought were excellent because we put a call out on Facebook. We put a call out through uh, our little email from some from different people and got a poll to see which ones were the best. Now. Uh, so ha- we, we did take your your thoughts into consideration, but mostly we overruled you. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, but here's the thing. So these are not in any particular order. We're, we didn't rank these as like the best one or the most, you know. Uh, but there were ones yeah, that were. Yeah, this isn't VH1. This isn't VH1. This isn't like, this isn't Casey Kasem. Rest in peace. It's it, This is uh, just a list, although the first one that we're going to play was the most asked for <laughs> that true yeah. that i will that i will say so um this Leave was our, the best and the rest is you know and i have to admit that i thought that this was our best episode ever yeah like completely should... ever forever and ever well, and hopefully not forever and ever well but... hopefully not for the for the future but hey so far so good am i wrong mm, yes i am wrong no i, I don't know the, the positive good one so <laughs> without further ado <laughs> Uh, the first episode that we want to look back on is our interview with Mr. Money Mustache. And I'm sure you guys knew this was coming if you were listening listener to the show. But Mr. Money Mustache, we had a, uh, a chance to meet him in person uh, just a few weeks ago at FinCon in New Orleans. And just as he was on the podcast, he is in real life. Just a like super cool dude. Chill, Super man. laid back. Yeah, just yeah. like really – just sounds like a guy who's just like relaxed, retired, and does what he loves. And I think you know we're only going to play a clip of of what Mr. Money Mustache had to talk about. But uh, and his name's Pete, by the way. Uh, mm. He is just uh, shh, don't tell, don't tell him that. Shh, 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 shh. It's between us and you. Yeah, but no, Pete's a great guy, <laughs> Mr. Money Mustache. Check it out, and here we go. Well, tell me a little bit about your early days on and ha- and why you decided to uh, retire early and how that whole thing took place. It was kind of, for me, just a natural choice. So I grew up in this other country uh, called Canada, and ah. it's like a little bit less fancy <laughs> than the United States. So people don't have as much money, or at least they didn't when I was growing up anyway. And so then I transplanted myself to the U.S. because of work opportunities, and I kept my Canadian spending habits and I found that money accumulated because I didn't buy quite as many cars as everybody else and Mm -hmm. didn't go out to dinner quite as often. It turns out when you don't spend all your money and you invest it, then uh, it tends to grow 
And then eventually the returns from your investment are enough to live off. And of course, the less you need to live off, the sooner this happens. So um, that just happened. I felt like I was living a pretty fancy life, actually, but apparently I wasn't. And then, uh, then I no longer needed to work right around uh, age 30, just before my 31st birthday. Uh, so I quit the job and just lived off of things like um, investment dividends and rental house income. And now here we are like nine years later. And it's still going well, except now I'm writing about it, which has become almost like a job, but it's a really fun job where there's no boss. So I just want to say it's not like you don't go out to dinner one less time and you, you know, you're spending like everyone else. You, you live a, a nice lifestyle, but you spend like an insanely low amount. No, no, that's not correct. I spend like a huge, huge amount, but it's just slightly less ridiculous than the average rich person in this country. Interesting. So how much do you spend? Like how much you spend to live? It's like you, your wife, and your well, your son. Yeah, yeah. We have like an almost nine-year-old, and uh, we we don't really watch our spending. We don't have a budget. We just kind of spend as much as we see fit. But then we do keep track of it, and at the end of the year, add up all the bills on the credit card, and it's been adding up to about twenty-five thousand dollars a year. And uh, there's a bit of cheating involved because there's no mortgage expense in that. You know, part of my mm-hmm. idea of investment was paying off the house. So. Mm-hmm. Really, you'd have to crank that up to more like 40000 if you want to compare apples to apples spending with a typical family with like, you know, an average mortgage. Yeah, I, I actually want to find out how you did this because uh, you – all right, so you're from Canada. You went to school in Canada, right? Yes, that's true. And uh, after school in Canada, what did you end up doing in the States? Like what, what was the opportunity that brought you over to the States? Well, first I graduated and I worked in Canada. So I went to engineering school, software engineering. Okay. And then I worked a few years in that field in Canada. And then this is like in the late 90s. And then I read in all the engineering magazines, like, career opportunities are great in the States and you get paid more and there's lower taxes. So, and it's like a big brain drain and everyone's moving there. So I thought I would try it. So I just sent my resume out to a bunch of uh, interesting sounding places and Mm -hmm. got some job interviews and took a job here. And then, uh, you know, it's pretty easy for people to move, you know, if you have a good degree and a good job, it's easy to move between these two countries because they're tr- connected yeah. to the free trade agreement. So that was fun. I'm really glad I did it. And I moved to Colorado because of the lifestyle. Uh, it seemed to match my values of like mountain bikes and outdoors and not working too hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the history of that. So, um, and so you, you ended up, you had a job and how long did you work at that job before you were able to like, and, and you know, you, you had this, you were working and you were, I'm sure making decent money and just stashing it away, not spending it, investing it. How did you end up accumulating this wealth during that time to, you know, say at 30 years old that I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. Right. Well, I didn't, I didn't really keep exact track because I didn't realize I was going to become Mr. Money Mustache. Sure. At the time, but I um, I kind of recreated it from my best memories at one point, making this post. I made this blog article called A Brief History of the Stash, how we saved from zero to retirement in nine years. And it's all about all these years from like graduation and what happened and how much I earned and then uh, just steps through the years. And things got faster and faster as I went along because, you know, your gains are compounding and you get better at living an efficient lifestyle and you've kind of bought all the crap you need early on. So mm-hmm. then you're spending drops. And uh, so that's how, that's how it worked out. So, and of course I had a, um, a girlfriend, now wife, who was also on board with the program. So she was earning too. And, uh, you know, we didn't have our kids too early. We waited until we were after 30, mm-hmm. which helped 
didn't have a bunch of dogs or other vacation houses or yachts. So all these things add up to, you know, basically being able to live on less than half of what you take home. And that's really what, that's the real formula for early retirement is living on less than half your money. Living on less than half and then doing what with the other more than half? You invest it in whatever you want. So I would recommend index funds like Vanguard index funds, like the total stock market, Mm -hmm. U.S. index combined with the total international fund. And the reason this is good is because you're not trading, you're not incurring like crazy losses and selling when the market goes down with everybody else. You're collecting dividends the whole while. And over time, like, you know, as soon as you get past the one decade period, you really start to feel smart for doing that kind of investing because you realize it's a lot better than these cowboy investing or actively managed funds or, you know, precious metals where it just goes up and down for no reason and speculation like that. Right. Where did you, where did you learn all of this? Like just Um, on your own? Yeah, it was from books. I mean, I went through engineering, so it's, you're always encouraged to have kind of an analytical mindset and study up on facts instead of just repeating the current trend of the day. Mm -hmm. So I read a lot of books on investing as I was um, growing up through as soon as I became an adult and started having money, then I was wondering what to do with it. So I read investing books, and then I realized you don't have to read a lot of investing books. You just buy index funds, and it's, it's pretty much the best way to go anyway. I love Mr. Money Mustache. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. He just, like, flowed and... Just good. It was just a good conversation. Just yeah. everyone was in a good frame of mind. It was easy, insightful. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the next, uh, this is also one that was repeated. People asked mm. for this guy multiple times. It's another interview that we did. And we also had a chance to meet him in person at FinCon. And I'll, again. Also super cool. Also, like, just, all right. These, and, and if you've emailed listenmymatters at gmail.com, yeah. there's probably like a 35% chance I've sent you a link to this interview to answer one of your questions. Yeah, let me tell you something. Um, so this is the mad in in this is the mad scientist that we're gonna mm-hmm. that we've uh, that we talked to and or if you're Andrew the mad fiendist because he can't <laughs> get fiendist right and uh, so no he he was super cool again we met him in person just as cool in person as he was on the podcast yeah. on the podcast he was just like super yeah I mean like had so much information and mm. actually because of him a lot of listeners who thought we sucked. <laughs> like change their mind. Yeah, change their mind because of him. Because you know we had done an early IRA episode, which now we don't even like. We don't even. I think we just delete it because mm-hmm. there's so many people were like, "This is wrong. You guys are idiots." Dude, there's nothing like bringing someone else on to help people change their perceptions of us. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> let, let them toe the line. Yeah. A little weird, but yeah. No, so he was super cool, and uh, let's take a listen. It was a great to, conversation. Yeah, it was. So let's take a listen to the Mad Fine bit. little bit of background about me. Um, you know, I'm uh, hoping to achieve early financial independence. You know, I'm building up my balances as much as I possibly can now uh, so that, you know, work becomes optional here in a little bit. Um, so any little edge I can get uh, during these times when, you know, my tax rate's higher, um, I take everything that I can. So, you know, I'm maxing out my 401ks, my IRAs, um, SEP IRAs, uh, HSAs, health savings accounts, anything that will reduce my taxes now, uh, I'm definitely taking advantage of. So yeah, uh, even if, even if I, uh, didn't have an employer match, which I'm lucky I do, um, I would still max it out. Um, just because 
you know, my thinking is I'd rather save on taxes now and then figure out a way to reduce my taxes later, uh, which is what you can do with, you know, like a traditional IRA or a 401k, rather than, you know, pay my taxes now and then, uh, you know, get tax-free later. Because once mm-hmm. I pay my taxes now, there's no going back. There's no, you know, I can't get my another 2014 contribution limit, you know, of whatever, 17500 for my 401k. Once, once 2014 is over, that's, you know, that's gone. The government takes that away from me. So I'd much rather take advantage of that now and then figure out later how to get that money out cheaper. But what happens if later the tax rate in, the, in this country is like 70%? Yeah, well, that's, that's definitely a risk. Um, right. But there's always, there's always loopholes and there's always ways to, uh, to get out your money uh, without paying you know, the top tax rates. So my personal plan, so there, there's a little strategy that I plan on using. So like I said, I, I plan to you know, leave full-time employment quite soon once my, you know, balances are, you know, able to sustain me for hopefully the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to, once that happens, I'm going to start rolling over my traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. So what what happens there is, so like I said, you, the traditional IRA means you can save on taxes up front, so you're not paying taxes. So when you roll over into a Roth IRA, um, you pay tax on that rollover because, you, you know, you're, changing from a, a tax-free in account to a tax-free out account. So you pay taxes. But since my income is going to drop significantly after I leave my full-time job, that means I can perform that rollover and pay little to no tax at all, uh, depending on how much I convert every year. And if I just do that for the next 30 years, then hopefully uh, by the time I need to actually tap into those accounts, uh, they'll be completely tax-free. So that means it would be tax-free going into the traditional IRA, low tax to no tax when I convert it to a Roth, and then tax-free out when I mm. uh, eventually withdraw it. So, so things like that, you can, you can always you know, figure out ways to do it legally. Um, but like I said, once you give up that contribution limit for 2014, there's no going back. So that's why I prefer you know, traditional over Roth. So, so uh, two questions on that. One, um, is this what you call on your blog uh, the Roth IRA conversion ladder? Yep, and, that's it exactly. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, and the other one is so, um, if I understand it correctly, you know, every year you're moving a little bit from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA, and you know, you're keeping it low such that you won't get taxed much, if at all, on it. However, during that time, you know that you're quote unquote early retired, like. You must be pulling some income from somewhere, whether it's selling investments or, or what have you. No. Yeah, exactly. So, so Would, um, wouldn't that like bring your tax rate up, or, or how are you, you know, handling that? It would too. If it would, if I had, if I spent a lot, but um, long-term capital gains and qualified dividends are taxed at zero percent for anyone in the fifteen percent tax bracket or below. And the the fifteen percent tax bracket is, you know, that that covers quite a lot of money. So potentially. You know, I could sell my taxable investments that have you know gained over the long term, not short term gains, gains because that would that would drive up uh, my income and taxes a lot. But yeah, long term capital gains. So say I say I withdrew thirty thousand dollars a year sold, selling investments, um, and say you know twenty thousand of that happened to be long term capital gains, which it, it won't be because obviously. You know they haven't been growing that long to 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 earn that much. So, right. um, but just let's just say you know it's twenty thousand capital long term capital gains. So, 
I can live off that $30,000 and then I can use my standard deductions and exemptions, which is, you know, like over just over 10,000. So that means I could convert 10,000 tax free from my traditional to my Roth while still living on, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand, whatever, you know, whatever I'm selling my taxable investments as just as long as I keep those long-term capital gains from pushing me above the 15% tax bracket because once I go above that then my then those gains are taxed but if I keep it below that all of those gains and withdrawing the contributions then that's all tax free so potentially you oh. could you know live a you know a lavish lifestyle which is a lot more than I'm going to be spending and uh, and still be able to convert you know like 10 grand completely tax free from your traditional to your Roth Just so much information. Just like an hour-long conversation. Gold. It's like an episode that you need to listen to two times. You need to and listen you need to, to it. take okay. notes. Yeah. And then you need to immediately run, not walk, to your quick their closest IRA broker and yeah. <laughs> start <laughs> run to your IRA broker. On the internet. Yeah. Anyway. Uh <laughs> that was a great episode. I love that episode. Yeah, same. Um, so this next episode we're gonna talk about briefly is an episode that we did it was a solo bolo me mm. and andrew and it was an episode i don't remember why we did it uh but i think someone had asked like could you just co- like uh, you know what it was i think it was daniel merrill right? right one of our listeners love daniel uh it was said you should guys should put all your philosophies into some sort of thing and we were like all right let's just do an episode about it so uh we the uh, what is the name of this episode our, our 12 financial philosophies yeah. so we did an episode where we kind of broke down our, our philosophies and, you know, just talked about them. And, and, and we got a lot of good feedback. People really liked it. And uh, so that's what you're going to hear now. Here we go. Core of the approach. Done, done, deal. Number one, you are responsible for your own wealth. No one oh, else yeah. is to blame but you. Educate yourself and take control. No excuses. Uh, I love that one because you know what? That's a everyone t-shirt. loves it, that's that's literally a T-shirt. That's like no fear T-shirt. <laughs> no it's, excuses. It's the, the no fear of wealth. Like, do you ever have one of those old Looney Tune shirts that no. said like no? <laughs> I had a no fear T-shirt. I had all. I had so many Looney Tune shirts when I was a kid. God, no fear was so cool back in the day. I was so into Looney Tunes, but. Why do you like that one particularly? I, I, I include that one first because I think that kind of just is an overall like umbrella to this. Because everyone has an unlimited amount of excuses. It's everyone else's fault yeah, or stop. the circumstances' fault. Well, in or, the rap song, I say stop blaming the economy because yeah. stop. That's not the reason. That's not the reason you're broke. See, it, just in life in general, eat, like say you're at a dinner party and it's not even at your house. And like it's literally no conversation. Larry King says in one of his books, it should be you should take it upon yourself. You should feel it's your responsibility to make sure the conversation's great. You know, people are having fun. So in life, I think if you always take responsibility, like it'll just work out. As a liberal, I do have this wrestling thought of you know I watch these people who struggle all the time, and I mm-hmm. have this thought, and it's a sad thought that I have uh, where it's like. You know, I'm a single mom. I'm wrestling with. I have three kids, and I'm I'm working like three shitty jobs. And what do you say to somebody like that? You know, 
for us to be like, you know, my heart goes out to you, but um, there are plenty of places for free condoms, and you chose to uh, do that, right? You could have been abstinent. Right. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I mean, that that's really extreme, well, but I guess I course. feel that you make your own destiny. It wasn't like someone, I mean, so it could have not been your... Right, see, and this is the, that's the kind of the... See, I guess, I guess shit, it's tough. Yeah. yeah it, is, it is tough. Yeah. Because um, then I said, and, okay, because okay, then it's like, all right, well, fine. In hindsight, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have had three kids, uh, but you did. So now you'd have them. Mm. So it's like, what do you say to that? You're still responsible. I, yeah, you're, you're responsible. So you know what? Um, it's a shitty situation, and you have to do everything in your power to change it. And it's going to be a lot of tough decisions and a lot of work, but uh, you got to do it. And I want to recommend a book. With that, with it. that mm. is, uh, I read a book recently called "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday. Hmm. It's a philosophy it's a, book. I was going to say that's an interesting title. It's a modern, it's a modern philosophy book. So it's a, uh, it's one guy's uh, take on Stoicism, which is a, uh, you know, a form of philosophy. I was going to say, can you quickly just say what's? Because I actually don't know what Stoicism is. It's just a like a like a set of beliefs of like they believe that. You know, um, you can't control what you can't control. You can only mm. control what you can control. So, for instance, uh, the I'm weather. Af- well, for, uh, yeah, like I'm afraid of airplanes. I cannot control the airplane. I can mm. control the feelings that I have about them. Mm. So, you know, instead of me being fearful of the airplane, which I cannot control, I should be more focused on trying to make myself not, you know, don't not be have fearful, anxiety, mm. not be not have anxiety, right? Right, right. Because I can, you can yeah. only control the things you can control, right? You cannot control, you know, how much the in stock market makes. You can only control how much you are willing to invest in it. And so, when you, okay, you know, wait, wait. What was the name of this book again? The obstacle is the way. All right, because and it's new. Um, it's new. You know, it's it's by Ryan Holiday. Uh, I will include a link in the show notes for sure. I've, I'm at, I did I mention it on another podcast? No, no. This no? is the first I've heard of it. And I okay. actually want to queue it up onto my maybe next because I'm I'm kind of. It's short. Ones. It's like not a long book, and each um, roughly how many pages? Not, well, not that you have well. Memorized. See on my iPad, it's, it was like two hundred and seventy. Oh, so it's actually really small. Then. Yeah, it's I mean small. it's really quick. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm actually going to definitely read that because you know, it's, it's I could like, produce that. Yeah, and it's like he he talks. You know, he he quotes Stoics. He t- he quotes modern day people who use Stoicism. Uh, Seneca is a, a you know was a Stoic, and that's the book that Thomas Jefferson was on his nightstand when he died you know mm-hmm. a lot of famous people um all right you John know now you're just like ripping out a ton of books that what we're gonna need to create uh listen to my marriage book club <laughs> I, I think this is happening no <laughs> watch out oprah yeah here we go <laughs> no so uh yeah uh i i really i actually really enjoyed that book and i'm gonna keep it around and and i actually uh, because of that book i'm reading a book called meditations by marcus aurelius which is a collection of his like journal entries from you know what was it like 210 AD. He was like the Roman emperor. All right, we'll definitely throw these in the show notes because that's yeah. So the obstacle is the way. If you see things in front of you, um, that actually is a good thing, and you know you learn from those things. So many philosophers. Twelve to be exact. So <laughs> many. Uh, all right, let's move on. God, I just want to reflect for a second. Um, so what? What? This is almost an anniversary for us, by the way. We started the podcast in November. How like November first? Yeah. So 
a year, 200 episodes roughly. Well, yeah. So That's pretty insane. But think about it. Doesn't it feel – all right. Think about it for a second. The, when we first started the podcast, it was once a week. In yeah. May, we started going daily. Well, we, it, we tried twice a week. We did here and there, there yeah. yeah. But don't you remember when we – doesn't it feel like we just did the 100th episode? Like, yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel that long ago. And I guess it, there's, what, 365 days a year. And if we're going daily, we're going to have one of these, like, milestone ep- – like, there's going to be three of these a year. We're running so fast, the trees are just blurred and, yeah. like, the side of my vision. I don't even know. Dude. I just wanted to reflect on that for a second. It's it's pretty incredible that, uh, you know, Seinfeld has this thing. It's, like, one of his big productivity things. He has a yes. calendar. And – Every day that he writes, he puts an X on yeah. the calendar, and he tries to maintain the chain. Yeah. Well, do you know that that's what uh, – so Nathan Barry, if mm. you go to NathanBarry.com, he has an app called Commit, which is like – I think $2.99. It's, a, it's an app. And it's based off of Jerry Seinfeld's thing. thing. Yeah. So you, you do – it's basically like building a habit every single day. You got to do that habit every day. And speaking of habits, uh, the next uh, – interview that we oh my god that interlude right there uh, the segue i forced it uh uh, you must be made for like fox news or something i am i'm a regular speaking of pancakes our next clip is (laughs) what is it i don't know well you're a terrible segue Uh, artist hsa things no speaking of habits so close hsa habits no are you really like being that stupid right now? Are you being that stupid in the head? All right, I, I know what it is. It's James Clear. Yeah, it's James Clear. We we picked it like eight seconds before we started recording. I think we did. So James Clear is a uh, just a prolific writer, meaning he writes what's it? What do you say? He writes every week or twice a week or something. And mm. uh, he's just his stuff is just good, right? He's good, and he's he talks a lot about habit building. And before that, was a lot Super about personal insightful. Yeah, like he he just like rocks your world with like these crazy. You know what? He's just done so much research, and he's so passionate about what he talks about. And like before, he was even doing the habit stuff. He was in the personal finance, and he just seems like. And you know what? One of the easiest interviews we ever did because we just let I, him I go. Think we each said one sentence, and then he just like he had like a, a script or something. He he's just nailed it. Yeah, just what it was great. And I've actually used. He's so articulate, and he and he just put things into perspective so well that it was. I was able to just repeat those. Uh, to friends and family afterwards. Like, he was just so perfect. Just, like the stories, like yeah, the analogies great. and stuff. Yeah. Perfect. So, all right, let's take a listen to James Clear, and the episode is called Breaking Bad Habits with James Clear. Here we go. Well, the, the central thread that ties it all together, you're right, is, is the science of habit formation, and I would say even more so this idea of tiny gains and of process improvement, consistent improvement. It's sort of this, the story of how small habits shape our health and happiness and wealth in some way. And I draw, I try to keep things practical. And so I draw on my experience as an entrepreneur or my experience as a photographer and talk about creativity or as an athlete and talk about health and strength training. Um, and so those are ways that I try to make things like real in the real world and also hold myself accountable to actually practice this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the central thread that ties it together is, is habit formation and behavior change. And, um, and this idea of aggregating these 1% improvements, these small gains into something significant over time. And the, the transition, to answer your question, from uh, Passapanda to now, from, from that to jamesclear.com, 
happened because I realized that I needed to learn what my customers actually valued, like what was actually important to them in order to sell them anything. So I had to figure out what their psychology was. So the people coming to Passive Panda or looking to buy a product, like what actually drove them to click on something or to enter their credit card or to buy or to purchase or to send me an email or whatever. And so I started studying psychology and, and direct response copywriting specifically to figure out how people did that, why they signed up for stuff. And as I studied that more and read books about psychology or studies or whatever, I ended up realizing like every time I would read something like, oh, this kind of applies to health or I could use this in the gym or this could help you build better nutrition habits or this could help you get over the psychology of not being creative and you know how to become more creative or whatever. All the stuff that I write about now. Um, and so I saw that, that, that link there and I was a huge wimp and didn't want to write about the stuff that I actually cared about because I thought uh, all the excuses you normally give yourself, my thoughts aren't fully formulated yet. I, my skills aren't good enough. I'm not a good enough marketer. What if people don't like it? I actually care about this, all those things. And so I wrote in private for over a year on all these topics on this idea of the science of habit formation and behavior change and how it applies and shapes our health and happiness um, and productivity and creativity. And uh, that document ended up being over 60 pages long before I finally was like, all right, this is getting ridiculous. You should just publish something, publish one article. Yeah. And, uh, and the shift for me happened when I, I had this conversation with a friend named Todd Henry. And Todd is, uh, has written multiple books. And I told him up until this point, and this is true for Passive Panda as well, I was publishing articles whenever I felt motivated whenever I felt inspired to do so, because I was like, oh, that's when I get my burst of creativity. Um, that's when I do my best work. I told Todd this, and I was like, what do you think about this? I, I write whenever I feel motivated, because that's kind of when I get my best ideas. And he was like, well, that makes sense. I write whenever I feel motivated, too. It just happens to be every day at 8 a.m. <laughs> and so that was when I realized, like, oh, professionals do things on a schedule. Amateurs do things when they feel motivated or when it's easy for them. And so I decided, all right, I have all this stuff that I know I want to write about. I just need to take the emotion out of it. I need to not wait until it's easy for me. I need to set a schedule for myself and just start publishing. And so November 12th, 2012, I decided every Monday and every Thursday, I'm going to publish an article on jamesclear.com. And uh, I have stuck to that every week since, uh, with the exception of one day. I had food poisoning in Italy. But other than that... Uh, <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. Yeah, every Monday and Thursday, I've been putting something out. And that uh, sticking to that schedule and taking the emotion out of it um, and publishing has been the big, made the biggest difference, um, for me. So anyway, that's the the story of the transition. So, uh, I, I had listened to your interview with, uh, Caleb Wojcik from, from, uh, I think it was cubicle renegade. And then I, I seeked you out elsewhere because I found really compelling how you broke down these habits. And I think you had called it the, the three R's. Could you kind of describe like your understanding of habits and, and, how um, maybe we could change them? Sure. So the general consensus right now, and this is covered uh, by a variety of researchers, BJ Fogg at Stanford University talks about this general habit loop that I'm going to describe. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned in the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, wide range of, of different places. But the general idea, regardless of the researchers you talk to, is that it follows this three-step process. And this actually has gone back for decades. There's uh, BJ Skinner, who's a very popular psychologist, looked at this. It's, it's, a lot of it's BJs just, that, that study yes, this. Yes, very true. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Anyway, so the basic process is this. Uh, there's three steps to a habit or a routine, and uh, and the steps are reminder, routine, reward. Uh, so I like to call them the three R's. Some people will call them different things. Instead of calling it a reminder, they may call it a trigger or a cue. But the basic idea is this. Um, here's an example. If your phone rings, then that's a reminder uh, to do something. It's a prompt to perform behavior. You answer the phone. That's a routine. So that's the, the actual habit itself. And then you find out who's calling or why they're calling, so you satisfy some curiosity. That's the reward, the benefit that you get from the behavior. Yeah. So you know what I'm excited about? Huh. Um, that maybe will show up in the Google search results for when people search for Breaking Bad. <laughs> then no, that won't happen. <laughs> well, I, I, dude, we'll show up. We'll just be on page 50. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> So uh, this next episode is a recent one, mm. like one we just recently did. In fact, like one or two weeks ago. Yeah, was it? Uh, hold on, I'll t- episode one ninety three. So towards the end of uh, mm. the hundredth episode. So the last somehow episodes. we got into like a, a zen state. We had like a just a great conversation. Yeah, and it started from Twitter. So uh, a guy had asked uh, on Twitter, "How did you get over being a shopaholic? Seriously, how the hell did you do that?" And that's not verbatim, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's pretty much what it said. It was two tweets. And I thought, you know what? Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about, like, how I was able to overcome that. And it got into this really – and I was in a good headspace. That was a Saturday we recorded. It's normally not the day we record it, yeah. but I was relaxed. It was in the middle of the day. Uh, I had just gotten done talking to you, I think, for so, a while. So it's like um, our best episodes we record on, on Saturday. Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we usually only throw about three of those in per hundred episodes. Think about it, though. The last episode we did with James <laughs> Clear was Friday. Oh, was. And it was the only episode we did that day because he needed a special day to record. Hmm. And we we accommodated him. But hey, He was a special man. Uh, who knows? And also, the next episode that's coming up after this one, we also recorded on a different day. So... What does that say so far? I think that thing that says don't don't change our process. Anyway, (laughs) this next episode is how to stop being a spendaholic. If I said shopaholic, I meant spendaholic. So no, it's shopaholic. It's spendaholic. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, you, the, so you changed the name? No, that's what the guy asked me on Twitter. He he used the word spendaholic, uh, and no, that's I mean, what I used. I mean, we discussed it. We can't. I thought we said shopaholic, but you, anyways. Well, I'm not technically a shopaholic. I just spend money on stuff. Uh, semantics, I guess. So let's take a listen. How to stop being a spendaholic? Episode 193. I, I, I think the answer to the question is I had to shift my priorities. There was a big priority shift in my life. And, a, and, a, and, and what I mean by that is I used to be the guy, you know, I bought the house. Or I, got the, I got the condo. I owned my own place. I had a BMW. Um, had a girlfriend. I uh, had a dog. I was doing what everyone else wanted me to do. Like I did what I was supposed to do as a human being. Following was, the plan. I was following the plan. I didn't have a college degree, so I had no debt. So that was really good for me. But I was still making decent money, more than most people get out of college because I had been mm. working for so long. And I've gained a lot of skills along the way that I would not have gotten if I had attended college. And I truly believe that. So there was a shift in my what I considered – the way to go. I, I realized that at, at a certain point, 
do I really want to live in this condo? Do I really want to live in like my hometown? Do I really want this BMW? Do I really want, like you start thinking about this. And I think it was a series of breakups, right? So there was, there was a series of breakups that like crushed me as a human, Mm. just like literally like made me reexamine everything. I lost friends because of it. Uh, There was just this, just horrible, horrible breakup. Uh, One specifically. Um, and then there was like another one that like, but, just but all why? Happened. Like what, what, what did the nothing... breakup do to, well, I mean, I'm not going to blame it on that because it certainly wasn't that. It did, was just... did it just cause you to like evaluate your life? Yes. It was a catalyst to how I, okay. Then I said, so it wasn't necessarily the breakup. It was just like terrible shit had happened. Right. And you like sat back and you're like, all right, well, what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah. I like? said terrible, you know, for the longest time, you know, um, I can say this too. So there was, th- there was that part of it. And there was uh, this this shift. But but dude, but here here's the thing: is yeah. like uh, I don't want to like go and be like, so you're a shopaholic. Just um, make sure terrible shit happens to you, right? And, and then I, like you'll recover because shit is just so no, bad. No, 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 no. I know, and I and I'm going to get to a, a way to do. I'm going to wait. I'm going to figure out a way to hack this, right? So I know of a way we can hack this without having to like go through a horrible breakup. And well, uh, well tell me, dude. so so all right. I I was trying to tell you, but then you interrupted me. You understand? It's my job. <laughs> okay. It's my job to interrupt okay. you. So no. Uh, then for the longest – Just like, when you're getting to the meaty – like just now, when you're getting to the meaty part of the story, I just have to put my voice in there uh-huh. just to throw just to, you just off. Just to make sure I'm you're still here. Just to make sure, that, <laughs> just to make sure everyone knows that Andrew's still here. Exactly. Yeah, because you know, I we just I just went on a very long tear before we got on this thing, so I'm in like this mode of talking. Oh, no. You're, that's why I was like – I even wanted to record the previous thing. Yeah. And we're not even going to mention it because I, I wish it would be an episode, but right. So, anyways, I, I'm I'm a very philosophical human being, and I've not been that way. So this is an this is there's a shift, right? I uh, I wanted to be a rock star. I did. I, I I worked really hard to write songs and record music and and get a contract. That didn't work out. I really wanted to be an actor, right? I really wanted to be a famous actor and make a ton of money, and that was like my thing, right? Mm. But over all of those things those pipe dreams. I always wanted to be my own boss. Has I've had that forever. I used to sell fireworks Same. as a kid. I used to do lemonade stands as a kid. I used to sell baseball cards as a kid. I just wanted to be my own boss and make my own money and make my own decisions because all the bosses I had worked for up until today have not been the greatest. Mm. Did, just, did you sell porn as a kid? I was uh, friends with a kid who did, and uh, <laughs> I, was, I was wanted to be his business partner, but that didn't work, work out too well. Uh, that was early stages of the internet. So, uh, no, anyway, so I, I was at this job and I didn't like it and I had some university and I, I just, I'm like this, I need to do my own thing. Right. So I ended up getting fired or getting laid off and I used my unemployment money to do my own thing, getting a taste of that, getting a taste of being unemployed, but working on the thing that you want to work on and it making some Having money, to struggle a little bit, having that little struggle really put things in perspective it's like you know what i fuck it i don't want you know this condo i don't want this bmw these are not important things to me the bmw i bought because i had gone through a terrible breakup and it was my constellation prize to myself like what 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 worst excuse could you have for buying a a, a luxury vehicle right Mm. like horrible stupid right i bought a house because i wanted to get laid in my like nice house. I wanted like chicks to like me because I had a, a house. Like that's ridiculous. Right? 
That's not important. <laughs> like people are gonna like you for you, not for your fucking house, mm. right? They're just I did everything for the everything was done for the wrong reasons. Everything I spent my money on was done for something, some stupid vanity bullshit that I just did, there was nothing there. There was no value, and I would buy this thing and I would sit there and be like, Bleh, I'm, I got all this stuff. What am I, you know? And, and it, dude, it took a while, and it and what really changed me was the idea of. I want to be my own boss and I would and that was what really that's that's truly the thing that drove me well, that's that we did it oh my god we did it you know uh, I, I just found out when we migrated the servers I was checking like iTunes feed details yeah of course the max episodes that an iTunes show will allow is 301. Are you serious? Yeah, so we're going to have to decide very soon how we will approach. Uh-oh. That. What are we going to do? Paywall. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, millionaires. Oh, millionaires. I hope so. Oh, no. <laughs> well, all right. So that's the end of the 200th episode. I hope you guys got to reminisce like we got to reminisce. And uh, look back on the last 100 episodes, which was only like, what? It's like <laughs> three months, days. Two right? months. <laughs> oh, it wasn't that long, but oh, good times, good times. But By the way, just to let you know, two yeah. months, that's like 60 days. Cool. Just wanted to like put that out there. All right, so two, three months, three and a half, three and a half months, three and a half, three and a quarter months. There we go. Anyway, if you guys have questions, email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app that you use on your phone or device to listen to us. And if you want, if, if you have like this idea of what would be an amazing episode, like this guest who would just blow it out of the water, this topic that like we just are missing somehow, mm. let us know. Uh, lot like sometimes those made like the, the shopaholic, spendaholic one yeah. made into the top. Yep. So, uh, send those in to listen money matters at gmail.com. And we want to know. We want to make the show that you want to hear. Of course. And look, uh, f- please leave a review if you like the show. And if you leave a review, let us know via email that you did so that we can give you some fucking gifts. I don't know why I had to add that for it there. It wasn't appropriate. <laughs> but uh, this one is by Financial Late Bloomer. I feel like I've read this already, but fuck it. We're reading it again. Don't know why it's the F word there either. Matt plus Andrew equals great podcast. Five stars. Couldn't, could not be happier to have found these guys. I just spent the last 30 days and 3,500 miles driving cross-country taking in their humor, wisdom, advice, and the result is, besides total anticipation for future episodes, an improved plan for my personal finances that is realistic, informed, and achievable. So many commas. (laughs) Oh, man, that was a good sentence. Andrew and Matt are so relatable, and I trusted them immediately. Have also enjoyed and learned a lot from many of their guests. Word, guys. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Financial Late Bloomer. Oh, yeah. Go to our website, listenmoneymatters.com, and also visit our toolbox, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox, and you can find all the information there, like the tools and the resources and the books that we recommend on the show. Thank you for giving us 200 episodes. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, we love you. And we hope that we can get to 301 so that you have to start paying for all our old episodes. <laughs> Ugh, in your face. Psych. No, we're not doing that. I don't know why I just said psych. 
Anyway, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we will definitely look forward to the next episode 201. Later, Andrew. <laughs> Later, Matt. Please tell your friends about this show.